Hello everyone and welcome back to a horribly nerdy podcast. The podcast that's so bad, horrible is in its name. And on this podcast we talk about everything from anime to horror movies to paranormal and books and, well, you know, just a gambit of nerdy shit. Um, so... I didn't miss uh, any uh, recordings this time. I literally uh, stayed to the schedule this time. So, yay! Here you go! For the one of you that listens. <laughs> I gotta stop saying jokes like that. That just really puts me down, and then I get depressed and not want to fucking record. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, last week, or last episode, I should say, we talked about a book by, by Edward Lee. Edward Lee, not Lead. Edward Lee called Header, and I explained what a header was, uh, and for those that didn't listen, there were, there is spoilers coming up for Header, so uh, if you don't want to, you know, if you want to read it and whatnot, uh, you know, I recommend you do so. Uh, just, again, trigger warnings, there's sexual assault, rape, oh, it's just, it's, it's a disgusting book, it's a splatterpunk book, so... You know, extreme horror, splatterpunk, just be prepared for that. It's, uh, it's a bit much. Um, again, I just, I like gore and goo and gross, and so I don't, you know, I can handle it. There are some things that even I think go a little too far, but, uh, that, I've only read a couple things, and it, and it really isn't even at Edward Lee. It's been other things, it's been other, uh, books where I'm like, okay, I have to stop and take a break, because that was a bit much. <laughs> But anyway, so I want to talk about Header 2. And so I also need to clarify one thing uh, I didn't realize. Uh, when I said that Header took place back in the Prohibition times, I was wrong. Header actually takes place, I believe, in the 60s and 70s. Because the sequel, they talk about... Uh, so the sequel has to do with some family members of the people that portrayed the atro- that did the atrocities in the original header. So, and I realized like, oh wait, if this is around Prohibition time, I don't think these things exist and that would be a power drill that you can put a cutting tool on. I don't know if those existed during Prohibition time, but reading back anyways, it it took place before, you know, uh, it took place later than Prohibition time. I believe it was around the 60s or 70s, one of those two. But yeah, so I had to clarify that and when I said that, I was heartbroken by the ending. So, as you know, as I was saying, the ATF agent, uh, you know, he's he's helping to run the moonshine. He's taking bribes and all this. He doesn't like doing it, but he's doing it because he loves his wife, and she is very sick, and this is the only way they can afford the medicine that she needs in order to survive. Uh, so, basically, he ends up getting caught. He solves the murders. He figures out who's doing the murders, kills both of the people. So he solves the murders. He goes back into, uh, you know, his basically his his headquarters or whatever, his station. And there's a gentleman. Uh, so he's talking to this chief that, you know, kept telling him to ignore the murders. It's just how the way things were done around here. And he's telling him that he, he found the suspects. He, you know, in self-defense, he killed them. And there's another gentleman there from a different precinct... Uh, and they're just like 
just shocked and and he's just like what's going on and they're like well we need to show you something and that's and that's when i was like oh wait this this couldn't have been prohibition times because they didn't have security cameras so there was an undercover cop one of the people that he was running moonshine for was an undercover cop and he was having him take a huge huge deal which ended up being you know it was gonna you know, be like thirty, forty thousand dollars in one run, and he figured this would be, you know, this would be his last run. This would be able to afford the medicine from now on. He can get back on his feet, and that was his last one. Well, uh, something happens. Greed kind of gets ahead of him, and he kills the partner, and he kills unknowingly the undercover cop, and takes what equals about to like I think it's like over a hundred thousand dollars and takes that and decides he's gonna go on the run you know he's gonna you know he'll, he'll he's gonna leave some money to his wife and he's gonna go on the run you know he'll send her the money so she can get her get her medicine he you know he can't do this anymore obviously he's done fucked up well no I'm sorry no so now he realizes he's caught on security camera so now he realizes his life is over he's going to jail there's no way he can afford the medicine for his wife. So he ends up killing this captain of the other precinct and his own captain. And then he decides, okay, I'm going to go on the run. I'll leave, you know, I'll send my wife some money so she can afford the medicine and all that. And I'm going to go on the run and, you know, I just have to, you know, I don't, I don't want to be in jail for the rest of my life. You know what they do uh, to police officers in jail, especially dirty cops and all that. So, you know, so... He decides to do that, but then he says, I, I can't leave, you know, I owe my wife an explanation. I can't leave without telling her at least goodbye, and I love her. So then he stops off at home, and he hears giggling coming from the bedroom, and he hears his wife sounds like she's talking to somebody. And as he slowly approaches the door, the door is cracked open, and he sees his wife is uh, giving fellatio, oral sex, to the doctor. And she uh, basically you know, takes a breath and says, you know, oh man, if my, if my husband could see us now, he'd flip his lid. He's been, you know, I don't know where he's getting all this money. I'm going to have to tell him that he, I, I need more money for this medicine. And uh, the doctor ends up doing a line of coke and said, oh yeah, this is some expensive, fine-ass Mexican. I'm sorry, medicine. Fine-ass medicine. Um, oh, wow, I had apparently a Mexican lady on my, uh, <laughs> my brain there. He said, this is some fine-ass medicine, and they keep snorting coke. And she says, can you imagine my, my husband, the... Uh, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, and, and the DEA kind of thing. Uh, you know, can, can, you know, what if he were to see me now kind of thing. And then uh, she says, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to continue uh, giving you oral because she wants it now in the back door. And he says, girl, we've been doing this forever. You've already, I've already uh, finished about, I'm trying to be like kind of, without being vulgar and disgusting here. Uh, he's already finished a few times, and, uh, you know, he don't know if he can get it up one more time. She says, oh, don't worry, I can get you up. Uh, so she proceeds to continue to uh, give him oral sex, and 
the uh, ATF agent uh, slowly opens the door quietly and blows the doctor's head off. And then he, just, you know, and then she freaks out because now she's caught. He then uh, decides to shoot her in the kneecaps so she can't run anywhere nor call for help. He then proceeds to go out to the trunk of his car, which not only has the money he stole, but it also has the power drill with the cutting instrument that he confiscated after he killed the two culprits that were pulling all these headers. And he walks inside and his wife sees him carrying a power drill with a cutting tool and she's wondering what's he going to do with that and our story ends. Okay. Long story to get out of that ending. Why was I brokenhearted? Because this guy was doing, yeah, granted, he wasn't doing the right things. He was a dirty cop. He was taking bribes. He, you know, he had no problem, obviously, killing people. Um, but he did it because of how much he loved his wife and thought she needed medication. Only to find out the medication was just cocaine and she's been sleeping with the doctor the entire time. Uh, and I mean, this has been going on for at least, I believe it was at least a good year that she had been faking this illness for him. And she'd been, you know, every time he'd come home, she would pretend to be in bed that she hadn't eaten anything that, you know, she loves him so much for taking care of her. Oh, you know, just could barely stand to stay awake when he's home because she's just so tired all the time. And he, he would, she would feed her and he'd make sure she had money for her medication and you know he'd take care of her and he would do everything he could for her and just to find out that she was betraying him all that time like that's what broke my heart and the reason i say that is because it's it's happened to me i took care of someone that i thought i loved i mean that loved me and they were having problems and i was taking care of them and doing a lot of things for them and one day I wanted to surprise them. I came to their house with flowers and chocolates and was going to take them out on a nice date. And I walked into, you know, just to sneak, snuck in, kind of just, you know. I, it was weird because the dog was outside unsupervised and she never would let the dog outside unsupervised. So I'm like, okay, whatever, maybe she's, you know, using the bathroom or something. And I, you know, kind of just trying to be quiet, just trying to, you know, surprise her. I walk into the living room and she's on her knees uh, f giving oral sex to her best friend. I know that feeling of betrayal. I was just devastated. I lost my mind. I didn't threaten them with violence. I yelled and screamed and... I just fucking got in my car and left. They, you know, they proceeded to call me trying to explain things. Then they tried to tell me that they were forced into it when, you know, I was there for a little bit. I heard what was going on. There was no, there was no forcing into it. This was all her idea. This was, you know, then, you know, she, they were making fun of me talking about how this had been going on. You know, they said, you know, she said something along the lines of like, oh, you know, it's, it's funny we, you know. I've been doing this to you for three years, and I've been with him for two years. If he found out, just kind of stuff like that. So, like, I don't know if, I, I don't know. I just, I lost my mind. I blew up on them, and I, I pieced out. They tried calling me, tried to, so many excuses. I just said, fuck off, you're a piece of shit. Um, so, yeah, so that's when I say I was heartbroken at the end of this novel.
that's why I say I was heartbroken, because that just tore me apart inside. That is one of the most devastating things. You know, you, you feel like you love someone, that you are absolutely there for them. You want to be with them the rest of your life, and they just betray you like that. I just... Anytime I read something like that, it just, oh, I get torn up inside, and it kills me, and it's like, damn, you know, and, you know, I get like, oh, he's getting his revenge, he's going to pull a header on her, blah, 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 whatever, you know, it's just like, oh, God, that's like, that is evil, to cheat on someone like that, and pulling headers on someone is also evil, don't get me wrong, but, like, that just, oh, it blew me away, I was just like, oh, my God, all right. Okay, I have to pause here because I am home. There is a puppy in the window who's shaking her tail, wagging her tail, and waiting for me to come inside. So we will continue uh, this in a little bit. So now that I've gotten that big, long-winded, uh, pretty much overview of Header, the end of Header at least, we're going to talk about Header 2, which is technically a sequel to both Header and Edward Lee's uh, short story, The Pig. Uh, the pig was actually, I really enjoyed the pig, um, it was different, it had, did, it had an ending that I was just not expecting for the story it was going for, like, it came out of nowhere, and, like, it wasn't one of those things where, uh, like, a story is, like, going on, going on, then BAM! Like, weird twist out of nowhere, like, something where it's like, oh, this movie is about a bank robbery. And then there were aliens, kind of thing. No, this, like, the twist was like, like, even though it was sudden, it actually made sense for the story they were doing, and I quite enjoyed it. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the peg too much. The only thing I'm going to talk about is there's a character, or even a couple characters, from the pig that return in this, and that is Polly V. And Polly is the, pretty much, he is a mafia kingpin, I guess you could say, but he runs all of the underground porn on the East Coast. And when I say underground porn, I mean child porn, necrophilia, bestiality, some of the most disgusting stuff ever that people uh, apparently like to view and that is pretty much his bread and butter he distributes he films distributes and makes money off of that stuff okay that being said we come into header two which is about the uh again i don't remember their names i remember some of the names which was i believe it was delmar helmet 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 H, we're going to say H, he's probably the main character is H, and Mickey Mac. So these three are related to the antagonists of Header. So they're related, they know what Headers are, and they know how to get revenge. Mickey Mac is a 17-year-old, is uh, they're all hillbilly, kicks, rednecks, just the stereotypical, you know, missing teeth, don't, you know, maybe bathe once in a while kind of that thing but Mickey Mac is a young 17 year old 17 to 19 year old in shape good look you know kind of good looking guy and apparently has a big dick and that's all he talks about throughout the, <laughs> the thing is how big his dick is uh, his uncle and his great uncle so The, only, the reason these three are left 
Uh, so H is Delmar's father. Delmar and his wife have a young child. The child goes missing. After about a month, the mother is just beside herself. She kills herself. So Delmar's wife commits suicide. So now it's just H, Delmar, and Mickey Mac. One day they get a package in the mail. Actually, not even in the mail. A young uh, neighbor boy ends up dropping it off. He was said that he was paid by some funny-looking guy, or some guys wearing funny-looking clothes to deliver this to you. Uh, and he paid me a hundred dollars, or he paid me a hundred dollars. So this all takes place. I think it's like 15 years after. Uh, yeah, I think it's like 15 years because they have DVDs. So what it is is, so then, yeah, this takes 15 years after Header. So they figure out it's some kind of portable DVD player with a screen built in. They fig finally figure out how to, you know, they're thinking, oh, someone gifted us this. We don't, you know, we they don't watch TV. They don't care. What the hell is this? So they watch, they put on the DVD and they watch as... It turns out what it was is it was a DVD of them torturing Delmar and H, Delmar's son and H's grandson, obviously, by uh, shoving him into the uh, genital region of a gigantic woman. A woman whose genital regions are so big you could fit a human being in there. And they keep shoving him in and out, in and out, and then they tell the young boy that his father doesn't love him, that he was a bad boy, and that his father was the one doing this to him. Well, long story short, that's Polly. So Polly kidnapped the young boy as revenge for his new wife's father being killed 15 years previously by our antagonists from the first book. There we go. So, uh, I think it's 15 years. I don't know. There's like somewhere in there's a 15 year gap in between blah, 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 whatever. Just, it's whatever. So, we know that uh, Polly has apparently married this ex stripper who came into some money because her father was the uh, enemy of the antagonists of the two people polling headers in the first book. They killed him, they got their revenge, spoilers for Hedder, bam, there we go. So she came into a ton of money, bought the strip club, met Polly, fell in love, and Polly would do anything for his wife, and so he gets revenge on this family by killing their grandson, son, nephew, that whole kind of thing. So, the three of them, because they're, you know, they're part of this uh, old thing. They're going to pull some headers. They go into town, or they go into the big city where Polly, you know, is supposedly hanging out or living or, or whatnot, or what have you. And they go into a local Best Buy. Uh, what you don't realize is because his mother his mother and father and he is a moonshiner and because you know they never really needed to spend money on much they have a ton of money 
uh, especially his mother. So he goes to visit, uh, H goes to visit his mother in the nursing home, gets a ton of money because, and he explains what happens, and she says, go get your, you know, go get your revenge. You know what to do, and that's what they set off to do. They enter a best, H enters a best buy because he needs himself a video camera, and he's got no idea how to work it. Well, there's a beautiful young lady there, very proper Christian young woman, who's totally in love with her manager, and they're dating, but her manager, uh, he, he wants to have sex with her, but she will, she absolutely refuses to have sex before marriage, but she has, uh, even though she knows it's a sin, but she believes God will forgive her, she'll perform oral sex on on this guy as many times as you want but the problem is is she's terrible at it okay the reason i mention that is because in the end that turns out to be a huge part of the story for some freaking reason so yes that's why i'm bringing that up anyways uh h goes into the best buy uh, she helped, you know, she's like, oh God, I wonder what this guy wants. You know, he kind of stinks because, you know, he's, he's hillbilly. He hasn't bathed in a while. But he's very friendly. He's cordial. He's a gentleman. Uh, he, you know, he's asking her about a video camera and a portable DVD player and stuff. Uh, and then she talks about how, you know, he says, he says, I know I'm, I know, because, you know, this kind of modern age, he says, I know I'm an old fogey, but don't you need a videotape to put these on? And she explains how digital memory cards work and all that. She shows him how to work it. He gets, you know, the most expensive camera. She recommends a tripod, a carrying case, basically the best sale ever she's ever done. And it's also the best sale of the month. Her manager is proud of her. She says, oh, he's, you know, he's so happy with me. She'll, he'll marry me, blah, 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 blah. Well, what she doesn't know is the uh, her, her boy toy, her boyfriend, uh, has eyes for the 16-year-old greeter girl that's uh, been uh, putting the uh, moves on him. And that becomes another part of the story. Again, I'm not going to go too much into this, uh, especially because spoiling this one, uh, you know, I don't have to spoil this one in order to go into header three. But basically... Uh, I just want to kind of give like the rough facts of what's going on just so you have kind of an idea of like some of the backstories of these characters and what you know why in the end things happened the way they happened if you decide to read the book again this is one of those that I, I preface it's got uh, sexual assault rape molestation uh, murder death gross disgusting it's it's an extreme horror splatterpunk book just be prepared for that just giving you a heads up on that one. So, uh, so yes, so then they, uh, H, you know, he uh, ends up buying the camera and all the fancy stuff he needs. Uh, you know, uh, the manager's very happy. She's happy that the manager's happy. Uh, nighttime comes, it's time to, it's time to go, and all of a sudden she's out going out to her car, and she's all of a sudden thrown in the back of a truck. Well, it's H, Delmar, and Ricky Mac. And they just need her to show her how to to uh, show them how to use the camera. Well, what they mean by show them how to use the camera is they're going to kidnap her and use her to get the camera set up so they can film their revenge headers. Basically, she doesn't really know what's going on. They don't really tell her too much, but they do uh, ask her to perform oral sex on them. 
in order to get them uh, excited so that way you know because sometimes pulling a header you know you can't really uh, stay excited so they have her perform oral sex on them and they say she's the most lousiest girl at giving head ever and give her pointers to where it turns out she turns out to be an expert after she follows their pointers again why am i saying this because for some reason it's a big part of the story so alas they've kidnapped this young woman she thinks you know if if she does everything they say they'll let her go uh, he promises to let her go once everything's done it's just going to be a while it could take up to a week could take up to a month they're not exactly sure but she's going to stay with them while they do all this stuff they'll take care of her feed her you know all that jazz uh so yeah so that's what's going on with header two Again, it's kind of confusing for me to say all this, and I do apologize. I'm trying to put it into a coherent story, but that's the basis and basics of Header 2. Uh, I enjoyed this one a lot more than Header 1, and I do like this one a lot more than Header 3 because uh, the whack, you know, and I don't want to say wacky, but just everything that happens is like the strangest amalgamation of events that all coincide and crash into each other is like what in the hell is going on it's crazy it's at times funny it's it's a decent read i quite you know i got i liked it i was i was into it i wasn't expecting it to go the way it did but it did and in the end i quite enjoyed it in the ending i did not see coming again and i actually i got a chuckle of how it of how it all ended it did make me laugh I enjoyed this one. I give this one four power drills out of five. And we're going to pause here and uh, we will continue on to header three in a little bit. Alrighty, let's talk about header three. Um, not a big, huge fan of this one. It was still okay for what they did. Uh, you know, they finally, you know, they got away from pretty much anything that had to do with like the first two i mean it still takes place in about the same localized area but as far as like characters and stuff from the other two there's not like any big characters returning uh the only characters are the four brothers the four uh redneck hillbilly brothers they're kind of like the law in town where uh basically and you know if, if you get caught if you're from an if you're an outsider and you're dealing drugs and all that well they got some uh things they're gonna do to you stuff like that they're basically the law there but other than that and that they are from uh edward lee's other stories uh white trash gothic big head um, and a couple other ones you'll find those characters uh show up in but other than that uh this one is basically a relatively new story where uh three yuppies so basically they're from new york they're rich they're day traders absolutely just just ridiculously rich they don't care and they heard about this place this little strip club down where uh i believe it's again in luntsville and uh where you know apparently the strippers are super hot and they'll pretty much do anything for a dollar and uh, they want to go and have some fun. Well, at least two of them do. One of them, uh, who is like a young, who is a younger brother of one of the two characters, uh, whose girlfriend just up and left him for his best friend. 
and so he's still kind of moping around he was head over heels in love with her she thought for sure you know and they tried to tell her or they tried to tell him she, <laughs> she was nothing but a gold digger and as soon as she found out his best friend made more money than he did boom she was all over him and that's kind of you know that's kind of where we're at so they're all heading down to Luntzville to to go to I believe it's called candies or something I, I can't remember what it was but but they got to realize in Lutzville, they don't uh, take too kindly to strangers there. But they end up running into the mayor who, uh, you know, introduces himself, gives them all a friendly handshake, and uh, they tell him they're there to see in the sights. He goes, see in the sights. He says, shit, you're going to Candies. I know what you're doing, but don't worry about it. That's why we have that place. He said, you guys make sure you guys spend lots of money now. And he takes off. And so they go to Candy's, and they get pretty drunk. Uh, they see some hot strippers, but they don't want to, you know, they don't want to spoil all their fun just yet. When they hear about uh, a little bit of a, there's a, another uh, little secret place in Luntzville where all kinds of shady shit goes on. They got hookers and gambling and all kinds of stuff. So they decide to check that place out. The younger brother just wants nothing to do with this, but he says, fuck it, whatever, I'm just going to go with y'all at this point. What the hell can I do? And so he goes with them, and they end up running into... They make this comment about this young lady, his gorgeous, smoking hot body, and they try talking to her, and they find out that she is mentally impaired. Uh, you know, she can't speak, you know, and apparently, you know, she's just not all there, not all there up in the head, or, uh, sorry, she's mentally impaired, she's not all there, and she, you know, she's got a few problems, but apparently has a smoking hot body, as they keep commenting, but they decide to let her go when another, you know, they, well, not let her go, but let her go by, and they have, uh, you know, some good times, and... They end up in this weird circus tent looking thing and they are having themselves a hawker party or, or a spitting party and they wonder what in the hell a spitting party is. Well that's where uh, two women stand about 10 feet away and they open their mouths and catch uh, men that hawk loogies into their mouth and whoever catches the most wins the money. Whoever loses has to perform oral sex on everybody. Yeah. So little brother gets pretty grossed out by this, especially when he finds out that uh, his brother and his friend are all into this and want to see what's going on and want to participate. So he bails. He says, you guys, you know, here's the car. Drive back when you're all finished being disgusting. I'm going back to the hotel. So that's what he does. He goes back to the hotel. Uh... Before, I'm oh, sorry, I did miss a little part. Uh, when they were at the strip club, uh, his brother and his buddy were, you know, they were uh, distracted, let's say. And a waitress, young, uh, good-looking waitress came up to the little brother and they were talking and flirting, kind of hit it off. And, you know, so she, he just said, you know, whatever, he's not here for this kind of stuff. And then they agree to, uh, while they're in town, maybe get dinner or something. So anyways, so then they go to this disgusting spit party or whatever it was called and little brother bails leaves in the car says fuck you guys i'm done this is gross goes back to the hotel 
and we go back to the brother, the older brother and the friend and find out that they got a little rowdy. They got kicked out. And so they're on their way back. And as they're driving, they notice uh, some good-looking young lady. Uh, you know, they're going to hit her up, see if maybe she wants to have a good time. Well, then they find out it's the mentally impaired young lady. And they say, you know what? It ain't like she's going to tell anybody. So they rape her. And come to find out it was her first time. And they apparently ruptured something uh, while they were raping her. And she dies. So they get back to the hotel. They're freaking out. You know, they just pretty much left her there. Uh, you know, they freaked out. You know, she's bleeding profusely. Looks like she's dead. They literally just throw her out of the car and they bail. Uh, they get back to the hotel. They tell little brother what happened. He's furious with them. But, you know, it's his brother. What's he going to do? You know, he wants to go to the cops. He wants to say everything. But, you know, they tell him, like, we're, you know, we, we raped her. We killed her. This is what happens. You know, we go to the cops. We're fucked, basically, blah, blah, blah. The little brother keeps his mouth shut. So then the next day they decide to blow off some steam. They go back to the strip club and they end up talking to the waitress that little brother was hitting it off with. And she's kind of downtrodden. And she finds out that someone raped and murdered her cousin. Yes, she was related to the young lady that uh, the, bro the older brother and the friend raped. And now she's really, really upset. You know, that was her favorite cousin, and it's all about family in this area, so, you know, everyone was close. And they find out that, uh, that was the mayor's daughter. So there's a lot going on. A lot of people are upset. And the friend decides, I'm going to go across the street and get a thing of cigarettes. And as he gets his cigarettes and he's leaving the store, all of a sudden, four big fellas come around the corner and get his attention. Start talking to him. And then, he disappears. And then they realize, oh my god, you know, it's been a long time. Maybe we should go see where he's at. And that's when uh, the waitress says, well, you know what, guys? He's probably at the bar having some drinks. Why don't we head on over there? And so they head on over there, and then they say, Oh, it's the city boys. How you doing? We got your friend back here playing some poker. And they're like, Oh, okay, that's weird, but okay, whatever. You know, he must have ended up seeing they were playing a poker game. Why don't you guys come in the back? And as they go in the back, that's where they find uh, the friend is getting a header pulled on him. Because the young lady that was raped and murdered... Even though she couldn't speak, she could speak sign language. And she had told them two of the city boys done this to her before she died. So now they're going to get their revenge. And that's header three. I was going to go into spoilers, but then I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go. I already kind of spoiled <laughs> the crap out of the other two books. This one I'm going to leave there. Um, this one is, it's a lot shorter than the second one. It was, it's okay. Uh, it was kind of rushed. It was, it was nice to see, like, new life kind of breathed into this, the header myth and the header story or whatever. But it just, it wasn't for me. Um, I don't know. There's something about it I just wasn't a huge fan of. Uh, I don't, I don't know. There was something about the second book that 
it was just, I think the second book just went over the top and just absolutely insane that there were parts that just were so insane and so just outrageously hilarious and disgustingly hilarious that it just kind of I think it just overshadows part three where part three is kind of like a, a lower story kind of low down let's take it back to like a shorter kind of thing and I don't know it just it wasn't for me I wasn't a huge huge fan of it but anyways it was okay I give that one uh, three power drills out of five not my favorite it was decent but again not my favorite not something I'd, you know, really go out. If I was going to reread any of them, it'd be a header two in a heartbeat because uh, there was just something about header two I really, really enjoyed. And reading header one again is just going to fucking break my heart and I don't want to deal with that shit. So, yeah. So, definitely header two, I'm going to be all about header three, not as much. But, yeah. So, that is header one, two, and three. And now, uh, well, what, do you, what should we talk about next? I don't know. What do you think?